I got a lot of comments last week on that sermon. Um, the positive comments. That, that's always good when they're positive. When you get a lot of comments and they're not positive, that's not good. Okay. But, it, but anyway, I'm going to kind of stay with that just a little bit. And we're going to see. Uh, I'm going to be out of uh, Luke 19.13. Uh, that's where you go, but I'm going to be doing a few other things. First of all, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for saving us and delivering us and healing us. We thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to read some, some scripture to you that I didn't give them. But I'm just, because I'm just going to read it to you. So when I'm preaching, you'll think of it. Now, here's some scripture right here that we don't want to use in the church anymore. Especially nominal churches. The word nominal means in name only. For instance, you take the Methodist church as nothing like John Wesley. Amen. And so you can look at uh, the Presbyterian church as nothing like John Knox. You can look at these guys. And you can see that. A.B. Simpson was the president and founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which was a powerful, powerful ministry. But it's not today. It's nominal. Nancy and I was in uh, uh, Hannibal, Missouri a couple weeks ago. And we went into the Salvation Army. And uh, old Booth was the one. What was his first name? Booth. But it wasn't John. He's the one that killed the president. But Booth, who, who, who was the founder of the uh, Salvation Army, if he could have seen what was taking place there at the Salvation Army, it was right before Halloween, and they had goblins and witches and blood all through the store, everywhere. It was amazing. So we have taken the fivefold ministry out of the Bible, which is the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. We've taken that out. We've taken the gifts of God out of the Bible. And we, we, we don't use them anymore. And we, we look at these things. And some of our churches now have taken the blood out. And don't want to speak about the blood because it's not friendly. Okay. Now I'm going to read some scripture. And I'm going to refer to him just a few times, not many times. And this is found, Deb, don't even try to go there, okay? This is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. And this is what Jesus says. He says, truly I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. See, that's kingdom authority right there because Jesus prayed. And when he did, he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says this, he says, And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now I'm going to read you some more scripture that Jesus said. This is found in the 21st chapter of Matthew. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it shall happen. He says, and all things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. That's what Jesus said. That's his words. We have taken a lot of things and we, out of the Bible that we don't use anymore. So I'm going to start with Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Okay, here we go. Now, he says this. Paul is speaking to the Roman church and he says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, my Bible says, and has allotted to every man a measure of faith. Every man's got that. Now, I want her to go over to uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 8. And we're going to see a little guy, a little bit short guy. No, it's not my brother. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Wow. Really, he was a tax collector. Anybody think he might have defrauded anybody? Now I want her to go over to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And she's going to go through 21 and 22. Watch this. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now watch this. She's going to go to the next one. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. This is the rich young ruler. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, uh, in, in heaven, I can't see that, and come, thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. Now watch the next verse. And he, he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possession. Yeah. Now that's quite a contrast. Now, Jesus says something. And, and he, here's what he says. He says to this young man, he says, sell what you have. 
and follow me. Now, does anybody ever know, notice that in your Bible, it says the rich young ruler? And the reason why it calls him rich is because he owns everything and God owns nothing. So he's rich. You can be poor and be rich if you can't open up your bowels of compassion towards your fellow man. That's quite a contrast. Now, Jesus is walking by. Did I say walking? That's out of Tennessee. That will work in Tennessee. Walking. Jesus is walking by, and he looks up, and he sees this little man in a tree. This little guy was short, and he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus looks up, and he sees old Zacchaeus up there. I said, come on down. I'm going to go to your house, and we're going to have dinner. That's all he said. Now listen to what Zacchaeus says. That's, that's all Jesus said. He said, behold, Lord, half my possessions I will give to the poor. Jesus never told him to give anything. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Really? He was a tax collector. He was the IRS. He was a fraud. Did I say that about the IRS? Yes, they are a fraud. Okay. I like the flat tax myself that Steve Forbes was going to do some years ago, but that was too easy, so we didn't get it done. So instantly, he becomes a pulper. And the reason why he becomes a pulper is because he saw himself as a sinner when he compared himself to Jesus. Now, the rich young ruler, he says, good, ma good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, he wanted the best in this life, and he wanted the best in the next life, but he wanted it on his terms. Now, Zacchaeus doesn't care about his terms because he, once he met Jesus, he realized that he was nothing without the Lord. And now he knows that everything that he has is not his because he was a fraud. He knows that. Now, I'm going to listen. I want you to hear what Spurgeon says. Charles Spurgeon said, the sin of unbelief is spoken of very lightly as though it were not a sin. But listen to what he said. He says, unbelief is saying God is a liar. Jesus said, where two or three have gathered together, he's right there in the midst of them. And if you can't believe that, then you see God as a liar. He said, whatever you ask in my name he said, I'll give you. There's one portion where he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. He said, if you knock, he said, I'll open the door to you. That's what Jesus says. Now, here's the scripture that I'm going to take. Luke 19, 13. She's going to call. She's going to bring it up. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pound 
and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Everybody say, Occupy. When Germany goes into Poland, they occupy Poland. When they go into France, they occupy France, which means they took it over. They took most of Europe over. And this is always preached that way. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, occupy till I come, here's the Greek on that, it is, do business. Now listen to what he says. And he called his ten slaves and said to them, I'm going to give you ten pounds. He said, do business, occupy with this until I come back. In this parable right here, he distributes all of the gift evenly. There's one where he gives 10 pounds, and then he gives 5 pounds, and then he gives 2 pounds. But in this parable, the master has given each one of them 10 pounds. And he's distributed And he's saying, this is what I want you to do. You take this and you go do business so that when I return, you will be profitable. Now, now I want you to remember something. And, and I want you to hear it. He says, I want you to be profitable. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, and he has allotted to each one of us a measure of faith. Each one of us a measure of faith. That actually should read this way. And he has allotted each one of us a measure of his faith. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, listen to what he said. Have faith in God. Here's what he's saying. You have faith. Now do something with it. When Jesus said, O men of little faith, here's what Jesus is saying. He said, the littleness of your faith is greater than anything the devil can throw at you. That's what he's saying. And so he allotted us, when we give our heart to him, and we give our life to him, he gave to each one of us a measure of his faith. We don't understand that. We don't understand that. And so we walk as if we have nothing. Listen, let me tell you what we have. We have God's faith, and that is the greatest weapon that is on planet Earth when it comes to the devil and his demonic spirits. That's, that's what it is. Do we understand the terrible nature of unbelief? I don't think we do. I don't think we believe, we understand the terrible nature of unbelief. And the reason why I don't believe that we do because if we did, we would have more faith in God, not less faith in God. And I have to agree with Spurgeon. When, when, when the young man is, is thrown into the fire, and he's thrown into the water, and he's having convulsions, and, and the, the, the father takes the young man to the disciples, and they can't do anything with him, and so then they bring him to Jesus. It's an amazing thing that when Jesus cast the demon out of this young man 
And then they asked Jesus, why couldn't the disciples do that? And Jesus said, because this kind only comes out by fasting and prayer. And yet in most of our translation, that has been omitted. It's not even in there. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sin, our salvation and our healing, listen to me, it's not even in most of the NIV. I have no idea. Why anybody read that translation? It leaves so much stuff out. And so now we have unbelief. And so this young, the, the father goes to Jesus and he says, uh, can you heal my son? You know Jesus yelled at him. Can I? Do you know who I am? And the father got a hold of something real quick that the church has not yet gotten a hold of. Here's what he said. He said, help me thou in my unbelief. Because all of a sudden he realized that he was one that he had so much unbelief in him that faith is standing right in front of him. So he speaks to faith who is Jesus and says, now help me now in my unbelief. What is my unbelief? Where two or three are gathered together. Jesus said, I am there in the midst of them. He said, whatever you ask in my name, he said, I'll do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Wow. That's an amazing, that's called kingdom authority. Do we understand the terribleness of unbelief? Refusing to believe that God can. And when we do not think that God can, I tell you, we call him a liar. Now, if we will read and we will preach the word. Now, now I'm going to get into a little bit of politics here. Okay, I do that all the time. Just want you to know that. And so people say, you can't do politics in the church. Yes, I can. You might not like it. But I do it all the time. And I'm going to do that. Now, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Now, listen to what he's saying. He said, I want you to take a business, or I want you to get busy, and I don't want you sitting idle. When I come, I don't want to find you not being prosperous. Wow, you did not get that. When I come again, I do not want to find you not being prosperous. I do not want to find you in a place, in a condition in your life, that you're not allowing me to pick you up and push you forward. Because that's what it is. Listen, prosperity is not about silver and gold. It's all about what Jesus does in our life with what he has given us. And you know what he's given us? It's called faith. That's what he's given us. And he has allotted to each one of us a measure of his faith. And let me tell you what that faith will do. That Faith will move mountains. He said, you will say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it has to lift itself up and cast itself into the sea, and then some good preacher will look at you and say, it doesn't literally mean that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You know how different your life would be if you would literally take this Bible as literal? It would be an amazing thing if we would quit using symbolism when God is literally saying, 
When two of you come together, I'm in the midst of you. That's literal. The preaching of the word. Listen to what he says. Take a business. Or when you work in a business. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying, people. He's saying, when I come and I find you, what are you going to be doing? Because, listen to me, we need good people in government. We need more than good people in government. We need Christians in government. We need Christians in the school system, and I'm talking about the public school system. We need Christians everywhere. And the Lord said if we would do those things, that he would more than amply supply us what we need to get it done. Listen, we need people in business. We need people in politics. We need people in government. We need people in education. We need people in every facet of this country. We need people in every facet of the world. Somebody say amen to that. But because of unbelief, we no longer believe, occupy till I come. And then, and then I, 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 I like this. Some guy comes up with, and you're going to give me the name, but I don't care about the name. Some guy comes up with, name it and claim it, and it's yours. And you know what? There was some truth in it when he first started preaching it. There was. And then, boy, 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 greedy people, man, got a hold of that. And did we run with that thing? Huh? And then what people are doing, they start getting in debt so they'll look prosperous. Tom Heath, who's my prayer partner, is also an insurance man. He said these young people are out buying houses and have no money to put furniture in them. He said you go buy their, go, go look at their house and you go in and see, you know, the insurance guy. He said they have a mattress laying on the floor because they can't afford a bed. And listen, we've done that in church. What we've made people do is feel guilty because they don't have silver and gold. And we've made people feel guilty because they don't have this and they don't have that. That's not what it's talking about at all. Here's what it's talking about. It's talking about you want to be prosperous, let God pick you up, push you forward, and you're going to be living in the prosperity of the Lord. And if you will walk in the faith that he's given you, if you will use the gifts that he has given you, if you can believe what he says is true and God is not a liar, then you're going to walk in prosperity like you've never walked before. And let me tell you what it is, that when you're walking down the way, the devil's just got to get out of the way. How many of you understand that? Well, God bless you in silver and gold. If you do according to his word, he can. But most people want, they, they, they want silver and gold and not what God says. I like silver and gold. I really do. I got some news for Pat Boone. Pat Boone, you're selling gold. How come you want my green money that you say is not worth anything for your gold? So we'll trade. You give me the gold and I give you my green money. Now, does that make sense to anybody? Because that don't make sense to me. And if you can get a hold of this one, eight out of five will understand that. Okay. Does it make sense? Let me tell you what prosperity is. There's some of you that God has deemed for wealth, and that is to bless the church, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the whole church ought to be walking in prosperity being picked up by God, set on solid rock in the Holy Spirit, 
pushing us forward in everything that we do. Because here's what he's given us. He hasn't given us silver and gold because silver and gold's not going to get us through what we need. He's given us his faith, and that's going to get us what, what we have. That's going to give us what it takes to get us through. How many of you understand that? And not only that, but listen, God is not just enough. He is more than enough. And if you'll look at who he is, he's going to pick you up and push you forward in the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? If two people can just get a hold of one thing and the two people say, you know what the word says, where two or three have gathered together and we actually believe that God is able, how would you like to say, in the name of Jesus, arise and walk? What Peter and John said this, they said, Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give unto thee. Arise in the name of Jesus and walk. And the man, he was, he was healed that day. I'm not preaching against my, uh, monetary uh, 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 prosperity. I'm not preaching against that. If, you, if you're prosperous in your monetary, that's fine. And give God the glory. But listen, every person in the church ought to be walking in the kingdom of God. And that's a whole lot different. How many of you understand that? You know what? We're tolerating things we don't need to tolerate. We don't, we don't need to tolerate things. But we've taken so much out of the Word of God, we don't know where to go. I heard a preacher say this some years ago. He said, y'all know what a little flea is on a dog? He said, this little flea, he says, is on a motorcycle. So it can't be a very big motorcycle. So on this motorcycle is a little gas tank. It can be a very big gas tank. And he said, most of us don't have enough faith if we turn it into gas to fill that gas tank. And there's a lot of truth to that. Listen, people, God wants us to be prosperous. He said he wanted us to occupy until he comes. Unbelief is departing from the living God and falling into open rebellion. How do you expect a country to get out of rebellion when the church is in rebellion? How do you expect that? How, how, do you, how do you expect the church to, to, to change when a minister will stand up and say, you know what, when Jesus died on the cross, all of us are saved? How do you expect anything to change? Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, all men could be saved, but we all need to come to repentance. How many of you understand that? It's an amazing thing that when people die and they stand before the Lord, it's not going to be about sin. It's not because Jesus took care of sin at the cross. Listen to me. Jesus took care of sin at the cross. He took care of your healing at the cross. What's it going to be about? Rejecting Jesus and his word. That's what it's going to be about. Unbelief is, is, is departing from the living God. It's apostasy. It's, it's open rebellion. Listen, it's refusal, refusal to hear the heart of God. It's, it's refusal. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, occupy till I come. He said, be busy and work in the kingdom. Be busy. Get a job. Boy, people wouldn't like New Testament preachers. They were mean and not politically correct at all. Man went up to Paul and he said, I'm hungry. Paul said, do you work? No, well then starve. You don't believe that. He said, if man don't work, you don't eat. That's it, Period. You know, I got on the internet the other day, and the internet don't lie. Okay. So I got on the internet the other day, and I looked up the 10 top beggars in the United States are all millionaires. 
The ten top beggars, you know, that stand on the corner and beg? They're millionaires. Nancy had never, Nancy had never been to Salt Lake City and the Mormon Temple. And if you ever get a chance to see that, you need to see that. This is pretty neat. It's supposed to be set up like the, the uh, 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 New Jerusalem. I hope the New Jerusalem don't look like that, okay? But anyway, it's got four walls and four gates. And as we're going in, there, there's a, a, a paralyzed man sitting in a wheelchair with a sign. He's a veteran, he's, he's blind, and he's got a dog. Okay, and he's sitting there. And so I give to him. And we go through. Well, we came out another gate. Okay, and when we're coming around the corner, we watch that man get up out of that chair. Is that right? Get up out of that chair. Give the sign to another guy. And the, the other guy then sat down in the chair. And the blind guy got his dog and walked across the street. And you know me. I just walked up to him and I said, I give to the other guy. Okay. Yeah. Unbelief. Occupy until I come. Be busy in the work of the kingdom. This, listen to me, this is the responsibility of every believer in this church. And Paul says this, while it is still called today, the writer of Hebrews says this, while it's still called today, and it's still called today, occupy, believe God's word, do something, get busy. It's the responsibility of every believer. Watch this, Matthew 7, 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Now mine says the log, so you can cast the speck out. Listen to me, we are in such a hypocritical state right now and we have so many things going on that no wonder the United States is not healed. We want everything, but we, listen, nothing is going to help us. Because let me tell you something, Democrats are hypocritical. Republicans are hypocritical. How many of you understand that? Joe Biden is hypocritical, but Mr. Trump is too. Okay, I'm not getting no amens, but I'll amen myself. So we got liberals and we got conservatives. And we're looking for them to take us to the promised land. The United States of America is not going to be healed until the church is healed. And when the church stops walking in hypocrisy and lets God be God and understand who His Son Jesus is, then we'll be healed and things will change. And how do we do that? Listen to me. One woman said, I can't speak in my, in, in my place of business about Jesus. Yes, you can. You can speak about Jesus anytime you want to. What you're saying is, is you don't want to pay the consequence 
for speaking out for Jesus. We don't, we don't want to get fired. We don't want these things to happen. And listen, the devil knows exactly how to use us. Pastor, is the shot, the vaccine, is that the mark of the beast? Really? No. No, that's not the mark of the beast. You might be dying because you took it. Okay? But no, it's not the mark of the beast. But it does need to alarm us and show us the pattern that was set up so when the Antichrist comes in, how that thing's going to be established because they had all Christians and everyone in a straight line taking that thing because we're so afraid to die. Many good men died during that COVID thing and they had a testimony on their lips for the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this one thing. The devil's got this thing all worked out. So how do, we, how do we get healed? Well, I think we get healed by going back to Jesus and believing his word. I believe that he said where two or three have gathered together, that it'll be done because he's given me the faith to get it done. Because when he left, it's an interesting thing, he sent back his gift, and his gift was the Holy Spirit. And so when he goes away, and on the day of Pentecost, he sends back his Holy Spirit. And when he sent back his Holy Spirit, the church was birthed and the church was born. And what was in the church? The whole kingdom of God was there. And it was like wildfire that it goes out. 5,000 one day, 8,000, 3,000. Listen, what kind of kingdom would be set up if we had that today in the Lord? See, we are either yielding to Christ... Or we have a hardened heart by the way we handle this life. I'm irritating some of you because I read faces. And that's okay. I wouldn't think that I did a good job if I hadn't irritated some of you. Okay? Let me tell you, I'm going to irritate you till Jesus comes. I irritate myself till Jesus comes. You know what Jesus says? He says to me, he said, if you're going to judge your brother, get that log out of your eyes so you can see clearly to take the speck out of his. That's what he says to me. You know what he says to me? He says this. He says, where two or three have gathered together, he said, and if you can believe that, he said, you use that 10 denarius that I've given you or that 10 pounds that every single one of us have here and put it together and it's not 10 pounds no more, then it's 20 pounds. And then it's 30 pounds. Because if he's got 10 and I got 10 and she's got 10, that's 30. How many of you understand that? Until you have God coming together and he's going to touch anything that you ask. Listen to me, that's what his word says. That's what he's going to do. Listen, how come we have hypocrisy? Here's how we have hypocrisy because the church quit preaching the church. I mean, quit preaching the church. Truth. And what is the truth? The truth is this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. That's who he is. You could do it yesterday, you can still do it today. And he'll do it tomorrow. Jesus said, do business with this until I come with what he gave them. Jesus says throughout Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Can you hear this morning? Because some of you trying not to, but Jesus is penetrating it anyway. Because he's saying this, you have to have faith. Okay? What good 
did the treasures of, Lord, give me this. He said, what good did all the treasures of Egypt do to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness? So what happens is, is that the Israelites, God has, the, the great exodus is going to take place. Moses now is taking the Israelites out. It's an interesting thing. Every green thing in, in, in Egypt now is, is brown. Egypt is totally destroyed. The plagues have destroyed this place. The death angels went through there. And listen to what these people are doing. They're saying, if you'll get out of here, we'll give you everything. And as those Israelites are leaving, they're throwing gold at them. They're throwing silver at them. They're throwing raiments. They're, they're doing everything. And when, when Israel leaves Egypt, they are wealthy and prosperous like you've never seen before. And listen to me, what good did it do them in the wilderness? When they should have made that trip in 18 days, 40 at the max, and came to that, Jor came to that Jordan River, and when those 10, uh, 12 spies come back, and 10 said, we are grasshoppers. And two of them said, we're more than able to go in there and conquer. Joshua and Caleb. And do you know that they didn't age in 40 years? They didn't age. Joshua and Caleb didn't age. Hey, Caleb, your kingdom is that, that, that uh, uh, mountain right there. And on that mountain is one evil king. Joshua says, let we'll get a team of soldiers. We're going to go up there and we're going to drive them out. And you remember what jo Caleb said? I don't need no help. He said, I came in this thing, I'm 40, now I'm 80. And he said, I'm still the same guy I was. He, he said, that's my mountain, that's what he said. He said, my strength hasn't diminished. He said, my eye is not them. I speak that into older people. In the name of Jesus, receive that. And he says this, and God, listen, he's, strength, he's strong. And listen to what Caleb does. Because of his belief in the Lord and the word of God, he goes into, up into that mountain, takes that king out, and he has all of the spoils of Egypt up there to take care of him. But the rest of them didn't do that. And so they came to this water called the Jordan, and instead of being able to go over, they said, we're grasshoppers. Listen, they didn't care a whit about what God had did, how he had supplied for them, and how they had the treasures of Egypt. And there they wandered in the wilderness 40 years with the treasures of Egypt in their hands, and it did not do them one ounce of good because they couldn't believe in the God who took them out of Egypt land. Think about that. But those who believe, man, God moved in their lives. What did the treasures of Egypt do to the Israelites in the wilderness? Nothing. They were to take their blessing and their wealth into the promised land. But what happened, it became a curse to them. Now watch this. And others enjoyed their blessing. Here's what the Word says. The Word says... That God will take the wealth of the wicked and place it in the hands of the righteous. But sometimes the righteous is taking their wealth and handed it in, in 
in the enemy's hand. See, here's what he said. He said, I want you to occupy it till I come. Don't be afraid. Just go on out there and keep on moving and see what God does. Hey, Pastor, he give you more than enough. What did he give you? His faith. And to each one of us, he has allotted to each one of us a measure of his faith. It's an interesting thing. He said, don't think you're somebody when you're not. He said, don't think that God's given you more faith than he's given the other guy. He said, he's allotted to each one of us a measure of his faith. That's what he said. And so in this parable right here, he gave 10 pounds to each one of them. And he said, now here's what he said. I'm leaving. Take this 10 pound and do business. And when I come back, I want to see you prosperous. I want to see you doing good. I'm almost done. And somebody said, Amen. In Luke 19.9 about Zacchaeus, Jesus said to him, now watch this, he says, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. Isn't that an amazing thing? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's not saying he, he come to save who was lost. He said that which was lost. He says this about Zacchaeus. He said, you know what? He said he's the son of Abraham. And you say, wow, was he? He might have been a Gentile. We don't know. You know what he's saying? He's saying faith rose up inside of that boy. And here's what happened. He said, he said, take half of my goods and I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded any man, I'll give back to him fourfold. And in order for him to be wealthy, he had to empty himself out. In order for him to be prosperous in the Lord, he had to empty every single thing out of himself. Listen to me, people. Empty everything out of yourself so God can fill you up. When they said to Jesus about the, the, the disciples, they said to him, said, how come your disciples don't fast? John the Baptist's disciples fast. How come your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said they don't need to fast. And the reason why they don't need to fast is because the bridegroom, uh, the bridegroom is with them. He's saying, they don't need a bass because I'm here. He said, but one day, he said, I'm leaving, and then they'll need to fast. And then he looks at the Pharisee, and he says, you don't take new wine and pour it into an old wine skin. He said, because if you take the new wine and you pour it into the old wine skin, he said, the wine skin will burst the wine will be ruined and the wine skin will be ruined. He said they both will. And what was he saying? He's saying this. He said the disciples at that time were not capable of receiving what he had. And so what did he have? He had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And listen what he's doing. Listen to what he's doing. He's taking and he's refurbishing them wine skins and he's 
beating them and he's refurbishing them. And he's taking the wineskin and he's making them brand new. He took those disciples and he molded them and he made them and he moved on their life and he did different things until they were at the place now on the day of Pentecost that they're going to be able to take the Spirit of God within them. And when the Spirit of God came in them, they had changed. Now listen to what the Lord says. He said the Holy Spirit is available to the church. He said the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. He said, I have given you my faith. I have given you my spirit. He says, now I'm giving you my name. He said, walk in it. Now watch what I'm going to do here. And so when he says this, he says, for the Son of Man has not come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say who was lost, that which was lost. What was lost? Our prosperity. It was lost with Adam. Our healing was lost with Adam. Our life was lost with Adam. And what did Jesus do? He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I'm bringing the church back to the place where it should be, where the dynamos of God will dwell in that tabernacle and nothing can defeat that kingdom. Listen to me, if we could hear that message and we would come back to be the people that God wants us to be, the United States of America could be healed. It's amazing. Will we be? I don't know. Let's stand. I don't know. Because you've got to ask yourself this question. What are you doing? Are you occupying? Are you, are you taking what God gives you? And are you running with it? Are you prosperous? You want to take that, I appreciate it. Only you can answer that. Paul says to the Corinthians, listen to what he says. He says, the Old Testament said this, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those whom he loves. So Paul says to the Corinthians, he says this in, in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.9, listen to what he says. He says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those whom he loves. But in the 10th verse, he said, but to us. He has revealed these things. What? What I hath not seen, nor ear heard. Because he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who was that? It was Israel. Israel would be saved, people. Jesus said they would be. There's going to be a remnant. But that remnant's going to come back to the Lord. And I believe right now there's a remnant in the church. You get on Google, and Google's going to tell you there's 2.6 billion Christians all over the world. I do not believe that. Because if there was 2.6 billion Christians all over the world who really, really had faith in God, woohoo, things would change. No, we're a remnant. This church is a remnant. Remnant. What is that? Believing God can do it. Do what? Whatever we ask. Right? He said that he has allotted to you and to me a measure of his faith. 
Now he said, take the faith and occupy till I come. Go back to work tomorrow with a different idea of who you are. Teach in school. Go back with teaching in school with a different idea of who you are. When you go back to Altec, Beringer, we got you all over the place. Go back with the idea. Listen, you know what? God has put in me his faith. Go, go with the idea. You know what? I'm prosperous. And why am I prosperous? Because God picked me up. And he's pushing me forward. No, I don't drive a Rolls Royce. I don't want a Rolls Royce. If you give me one, I'll drive it. You're gonna, and, I, and, I got, and I said something yesterday when I, I mean last Sunday when I was watching me preach. That's hard to watch. But I said, I love to spend money. Hey, listen, I don't love money. But I sure like what money does. Because if you love money, you're in trouble. Now, you're either going to master it or it's going to master you. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve mammon and God. He said, you're going to love one and hate the other, but you can't serve both of them. So I just want to walk in prosperity, and I believe I do walk in prosperity. I believe Nancy and I walk in prosperity. And what is that? God picking us up, pushing us forward. Nancy and I don't have enough. We have more than enough. If you're living by enough, once you get to know the God who's more than enough, he's a good God. Wouldn't you like to think that you can speak in the name of Jesus and heaven moves to move mountains? Wouldn't you like to think that you could get a hold of a friend, your prayer partner, and say, we're going to come after this thing, and both you and I. And you know what? God moves everything in order to get that prayer answered. You're prosperous. That's who God is. Can he heal your body? I'm telling you right now. Stan Jagger, sick man. Somebody needs to grab a hold of their hands and stand over him and say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. We plan to do that this afternoon. But it's not just over sickness, deliverance. It's a lot of things. Taking back ministries. I say, in the name of Jesus, your ministry is coming back to you stronger than what it was. Amen. What's God doing inside have you ever just really been honest with the Lord? Just honest with Him. Say, Lord, I'm a stinking mess. Have you ever done that? I do that every now and then. Say, Lord, I, I don't have to tell you this, but I'm a mess. And He says, yes, you are. He agrees with me. I don't have to live that way. 